All right. Thank you, team members and uh, little team members as well. Sometimes it's funny. Um, I've had, they've had comments in the past to say, um, "Can I can I be part of the team?" We're like, "You are the team." You know what I mean? What are you talking about? You're you guys are on the team as well. Um, well, let's go ahead and dismiss the children for their special program tonight as they would make their way on out. The rest of us, we have been in the book of Romans, and um, and so let's go back to Romans. I wasn't necessarily planning on doing this far, but I think that this would be a uh, hopefully a, a, an encouragement and a blessing as we've kind of looked through this. Uh, tomorrow night, again, as we, as we think about the focus of of what tomorrow night is, and it is an opportunity for the sake of the gospel. And um, also, if you're a believer, it'll challenge you too. I know that. And so I want to encourage you to be back tomorrow night. If you can exhort uh, others around and, and people around that you know to invite for that special concert. A lot of times people will come to a special concert night if they know there's a, there's a sacred concert and with all these different kinds of instruments. And, and uh, it's a kind of an easy way sometimes to invite people. We've actually, as I was talking to one of the... Um, uh, one of the uh, people in my own home church, they were they were saying, "Hey, where out west are you going to be?" And I and I was talking to this uh, my friend's wife, and she says, uh, he, "I say to her, I said, well, we're going to be out west. We're going to be at stuff.'" She goes, "Well, I have this sister that lives in Oregon, Eugene, Oregon." I'm like, "No way, we're going to be in Eugene." And um and so I don't know. I I, I just remi- remembered this, um and I messaged them. Um, and said, hey, listen, um, just a reminder, this is the week of, and it's on Wednesday night, this special concert night, because they said my sister is very interested in music and um, very gifted even with the music and stuff too. Claimed to know Christ in the past, but um, but doesn't uh, is not seemingly walking with Christ and doesn't and maybe didn't really know Christ in the first place. But uh, just praying that maybe she might show up even tomorrow night too as well. So who knows? You just you invite, don't you? You invite and you do your best to try to invite people and bring them out. Well, as we've looked at this passage in Romans chapter 12, tomorrow night I'm not planning on preaching out of Romans 12, just so you know, okay? Uh, it's going to give you that. But as we looked at this, hopefully this passage has been a, a great challenge to our souls. We've read in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, that I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifice. What does that look like? It's holy, it's acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's the way we worship the Lord. It's the only rational and logical way of worship. In verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's really a description of God's will. It is good, it's acceptable, it's perfect. And um, and as you give your life a living sacrifice, as you seek to be freed from sin and, and actually don't go after sin, but go after God, and you begin to let the Lord transform you through the renewing of your mind, it's amazing what that does. That's the that's the that's really the starting point of real spiritual growth in your life. I say this, uh, as a believer, as you come to Christ, again, you don't come to Christ sometimes to understand everything about who God is, but you do need to understand some truths about him, and you are turning from sin to Christ, and you are submitting to him. And uh, I have had people tell me stuff like this. I said, I, wanna, so I, w- I, wanna, I don't want to go to hell, but I'm not really ready to give Jesus my life. I've had people tell me that, and I just say to them, well, then you're not ready. It's, it's not like, okay, one day, then later you'll submit to him. And um, and so is what we know at salvation, we do turn to him, don't we? And then as God begins to reveal even more of his will and his desires for us, we submit even more. That shows an evident sign of a real believer that we want to go deeper with God. And so we kind of see this. That's where it begins. It's kind of the only way to live the Christian life. We talked about the overflow, what that is. And we dealt with even some of those gifts of the spirit in verses three through eight. That's where we were last night. But tonight, what I want to talk about is love. Maybe I would even ask you this question. How's your love life? You know what I mean? It's like, whoa, that's kind of a deep question. And that's pretty serious. And um, But when you think about love in the Christian realm and in our world, the truth would be is this, is anybody who's truly saved, the Bible says the love of God is then shed abroad in our hearts. And one of the greatest characteristics of a true believer is that they have a supernatural love within them. And it manifests in a life towards other believers. If you say you're a Christian, just like First John would say, but you but you don't but you but you hate the brethren, something's wrong with you. You're not truly a Christian, honestly, because there should be this natural love towards the body of Christ. And the truth is, even that there's a natural love that God puts within us 
to even love our enemies. And so really tonight, I want to deal with two things as we look at this scripture, actually a lot of verses, but it's just a lot of just barrages of commands. And so I just kind of want to kind of touch on all these like that. I, my prayer would be that God would, would encourage us and would challenge us. I, I pray that God would stir us in our love, um, that it would challenge us because as we love him more, it will affect everything we do. It'll affect the people around us. It'll affect every relationship. I mean, everything about this, we need this really, really bad. And we can't naturally put this on. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And so, but we do are in our call to obey these commands. So let's pray and ask God's help during the next couple of moments. Father, thank you again for your, for your love for us and, and, um, and how you demonstrated that love for us, even though we were sinners, that you gave of yourself. And you gave of yourself fully in love, dying for us. Lord, and not just dying, but raising from the dead to give us life. You who knew no sin, you became sin for us. Lord, you demonstrated that love, and Lord, your word tells us that, that you love, so loved the world that you gave this, this special, one-of-a-kind, unique son, Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, for coming willingly. So, God, as we think about what you've done in our hearts, and if there's somebody here tonight who is who's without Christ, Lord, they are not capable of this supernatural love within them. And, and God, I realize even as believers, naturally, we it's, it's not about us. It's about you in us and through us. But I do pray that you would encourage us and challenge us and rebuke us even tonight, God, as well, where, where we fall so short when it comes to real love. God, that you would increase it in our hearts and our lives, that we would humble ourselves, we would confess our need of you, and uh, God, work in us in a real way. Lord, I know when you do this, it will be manifest in this world, and there will be people who will come to Christ. So God, we thank you for what you're going to do. Continue to stir your people, revive our hearts, God. Use me now, fill me with your spirit, please, God. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. As we look tonight, I want to focus in and begin in verse 9. If you look at this closely, you've got from verse 9 really to verse 21 to the end of the passage that deals with our love in two ways. The way we would treat one another as believers. And that's a major ordeal. How do we really treat others within the body of Christ? How do we treat other believers? And that's what we'll see first. But the other side of it is this. is not just how do we treat our friends, you could say, but how do you deal with your enemies? Ouch. And actually, when I think about that, the reality is every one of us will have and face enemies in life. I mean, there are people who will hate you. And you're thinking, why do you hate me so bad? I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm, just, I'm a Christian. I, that's why I hate you. You know what I mean? I mean, you get all kinds of stuff out there. And the reality is, is um, you will have enemies and you will face enemies. But in this, how do you treat them? So let's look at, first of all, how do you treat your friends? How are you supposed to deal with people within the body of Christ? It says in verse 9, again, and this all shows and comes from this overflow. Because ultimately, all these gifts that you do, you know, the truth is, if they're without love, then it's like all you are is making a bunch of noise. It's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. And so we look at this and we see in verse 9, it says, let love be without hypocrisy. It says, abhor that which is evil, and then cling to what is good. I mean, what a challenge to us. Number one, tonight, if you're dealing with how do we deal with our friends and how do we deal with people within the church, number one is this, that we should love and honor them. That's very, very clear. That we should we should be so diligent in loving people and honoring them. When you think about how this love should be without hypocrisy, have you ever seen a phony love? Uh, when I think about this, sometimes, honestly, I think about the South, unfortunately, that's, I'm from the South and I think about people from the South. So often they're like, you know, Hey honey, you know, they talk, you know, like, um, they just, they talk to you all like with all the Southern goopity goop sometimes. And, and yet the truth is you could turn around the corner and then they'll be like, you know, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's not real. It's not genuine. I sometimes really appreciate Northerners, you know, as we kind of go up in the new England area, because in one sense, they kind of are crusty sometimes a little bit. They're kind of like a little harsh sometimes. And, and uh, I feel this way, but they tell you the truth. Like, you know, exactly where they're coming from. There's, there's not phoniness there it's just kind of like no this is how i feel you know what i mean they tell you and um and so the truth is though our love should be so genuine do you have a true genuine heartfelt love for the body of christ if you really do you know what will naturally happen 
Actually, you will hate evil. You'll hate it because the truth is if you really love God, you love what he loves and you hate what he hates. So what does God love and what does God hate? And so often we find ourselves twisted the opposite way around. We go after the things that we know don't please God. And and then the things that really do please God, we kind of stay away from them. What's that all about? And the truth is, if we're really genuinely in love with the Lord, the natural reaction is that we would love one another and we would actually honor them too. think about this. As you look at this, it goes on to say this, cleave to that which is good. And then it says, be kindly affectionate or affectioned one to another with brotherly love. So there's a sense of this great affection as a brother or sister in Christ that you genuinely have heartfelt concern and love for the brethren. That's that would be of God. That's not normal for a lost world. And when they see this, they are marveling at this. They do. They catch us by surprise at this love because it's like, who is this? Even Jesus made it very clear. Remember in John chapter 13, he says, this is how that they'll know that you're my disciples, that you have love one toward another. And it's not just it's not just agape love where you go, well, you know, that's a self-sacrificing. I've got a, it's a choice love where I choose love. But there's also a brotherly love. It's like a family love. It's like you're just part of the family. I mean, don't you love, I don't know if you have this option sometimes or you have this, it goes on where you have the family that gets together and it's like when there's just this genuineness there and you're just kind of laughing together as a family. You can, you can joke with each other, but no one's getting hurt by it. It's just kind of, just kind of fun. And we just, I, I love that when our families can get together and be that way. But you have this whole idea of brotherly love. And then notice it says in honor, preferring one another. It's like we should be outdoing one another and showing respect and honor for each other. No, 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 no. You can, no, you take the seat. No, no, you can sit there. No, no, you do. It's like, it's like we're, we're always looking for opportunities to show greater love and greater honor towards one another within the body of Christ. I think of this and I think of the opposite. I think about a pastor uh, one time years ago, as I came in, I was preaching at the church. He says, can you believe it today? And I said, and I said, what? And he says, well, actually, they were both there. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, normally, he says, what happens is in a Sunday school hour, you have one group that will come. And then when the church hour comes, that group leaves. And it's not because there's dual services. Uh, that group leaves because of the other group being there or vice versa. And whenever one group's there, the other group is not there. And, you, and it's just, but he says, but they were both there that this day. I mean, isn't that, wasn't that awesome? I'm thinking, well, I guess, but I'm also thinking, how awful. I mean, what kind of what kind of testimony is that in the community? There's no real love for one another. And when you think through this, the idea of, of really loving people, I, I think about how it's hard to re- respond in a wrong way to love, isn't there? Isn't it? I'm, I say this because here I was as a 17-year-old, and, and God starts working in my life. Here's what's going on in my own Christian school. There was like weekly, anywhere from one to five, coming to Christ. And this was happening every week. It was happening for a number of months in a row. It was this odd thing going on. Actually, it was a group um, before us. It was the senior class who were praying, God, send revival to this Christian school. Um, I remember when this was all going on, they um, they had this kind of get together where all these Christians would get together. They would play games. They would um, they would uh, uh, eat some food and they'd have a little bit of testimonies, really just kind of sharing what God's doing in their life. I only came because, man, they were playing competition. I like that. And and I like, you know, friends and I like food. But but it's like when it came to that testimony time, honestly, I'm looking at my watch all the time, like, get me out of here. Get me out of here. I, oh, I don't want to be here. And, and um, but but my friend, a friend of mine stands up and genuinely in tear, with tears in his eyes, starts talking about how God's working in his heart about something. Man, I'm telling you, I was feeling conviction. Do you know what conviction is? It's the guilt of God. Because I'm thinking God's not working in my heart. And I just want out of here right now. I mean, I'm just like, I'm feeling guilty. I'm, and then finally they dismiss. I'm thinking, oh, praise the Lord. You know, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, what I mean? I'm walking off. And as I'm walking off, I remember as the group was walking off to these soccer games in the distance, this girl named Kirsten, Kirsten Berg, actually, she came up, comes up to me. I'd known her since kindergarten. I mean, she's in my class all the way through. You know, it's like I know Kirsten really well. And Kirsten was genuine. She walked with the Lord. I mean, there's, there's just something about her. It's like in one sense, she's kind of everybody's friend because of that. It's like, but she always would speak truth and she'd do it in love. And it was just like, she's never really, it's just, I don't know, just genuine girl. And she walks up to me and she says this, she says, Hey, Jeremy. 
And she got my attention and she said three words to me. We're walking towards these soccer games and this, and she says, it's your turn. What she was saying was this, Jeremy, there are some friends of yours that are giving their life to Jesus and to the Lord, and you should do that too. It was a kind way. I knew exactly what she meant when she said, it's your turn. Um, I'm feeling conviction. I'm acting like I'm ignoring her. I, and no one else heard this. She didn't say it. So like, hey, just so you know, you should give your life to Jesus. You know, like the rest of us. It wasn't like that. Okay. It was, she was very just genuine in this. And so then I'm walking even uh, over to these soccer games. I'm watching this and, until she waited to a time where, where it's like maybe it kind of was less people. And all of a sudden it's kind of I'm there for a second by myself. And she walks up to me and she says this a second time. She goes, Jeremy, I just want you to know something that I care for you as a friend. And then she said this, and I'm praying for you. I said, thanks. And for the next six months before the Lord broke my heart, and really before I surrendered to the Lord, I could not get it out of my mind, this girl's three words, it's your turn. I would push out of my head, I'd be in a church, I'm like, oh, you know. It's your turn. No, I'm not. I'm not. No, the youth pastor be speaking. So it's like any venue of any. I'm like oh, conviction, and oh no. Until finally, as I come to this brokenness before the Lord, I said, "Okay, God, you have my life." And and then the joy and the peace. I'm sitting there thinking, "Man, I'm such an idiot. Why did I wait so long to give my life to Christ? You know, and and hold on this way." It's like the word began to get alive, and I'm in my life. And then I'm like saying to my friend, I said, "I tried to find Kirsten. I said, Kirsten, just so you know, thank you for saying something to me." Because you were a genuine friend and in love. Now, if, if she was a big hypocrite, I would have blown it off so quickly. But she wasn't. She was genuine in her love. And the truth is, is she, she was kind and she said things to me to challenge me spiritually. The truth is, is this needs to be us. We need to be people who are known by our love. And it's not because of us. Actually, it points them to Christ that we honor people, love and honor them. Number two is this, that we should be showing them our zeal and joy. I mean, when you look at this even further, in verse 11, it says, not lagging in diligence. In other words, you're zealous there and you're fervent in spirit serving the Lord. When I think about this, my heart races to a, to a, to another guy who was in our school. I, I, I really look at him and I think, I think the Lord used him to help bring some of the revival into our school. It's a guy named Mike Knight. He was a Bible teacher in the academy. <laughs> And so here's, I'm in this, this class and Mike Knight, man, he just, I mean, he was, when I, we were freshmen, I'm telling you, we were just, we were wicked. Like we, it's like the school, it's like the Christian school, some 600 plus students in the, in the, in like the, uh, high school alone. Okay. This is ninth through 12th grade. And this is Christian school. And what's interesting, it's like, if you were doing right, you were so despised and, and mocked at that point in time. And we were part of that crew, mocking people and laughing at people for living for the Lord and stuff too. And then this this Bible teacher comes in and he's like, for real. I mean, this teacher was kind of unlike some of the other teachers. I say this to say, not that the other teachers weren't walking with the Lord, but this teacher had this zeal and this joy about him. And he'd be like, hey guys, it's like eight o'clock in the morning. Come on, this is Bible class. This is like the best class ever, you know? And he'd just, oh, you're talking about this? And, you know, and we're all like, you know, and we're, you know, he, he just, do, and he was funny. He was just genuine. He'd say, man, what do I need to do? Do I need to do a cartwheel for you guys? All right. And then he'd also need to do like a cartwheel in the class. And we're like, this guy's crazy. And then you know what he would do? He starts telling us a story. He says, you know, this past weekend, he said, he said, me and another guy from my church, uh, you know, out in the, out and out, out further out of Greenville, he said, we, we would go and we would go, um, uh, witnessing, we went to this trailer park area and, and here are these guys sitting around this fire, and we get up there initially, they're all drinking and stuff too. He says, but man, we started sharing the gospel. And this one guy, he's like listening so close and intense, and it's like, man, God was stirring him. Man, I'm still praying that, that guy will get saved. He would tell us these stories, and we're like, whoa, he's like for real. Like he, he's like sharing the gospel with people. I'm like, not, I just felt like Greenville, where we're from. It's like, it's like, almost like it's a bite, you know, a buckle, buckle on the Bible belt. It's like a bubble. It's just, and then you go, here's this guy who just wants to tell people about Jesus. And he's, he's not doing it as a phony, like, man, I stink. I got to go tell people about Jesus. He's really just genuine in this. And I started thinking this and going, man, isn't this the way it should be? It should be such an overflow of love where we show to one another and demonstrate our zeal and our joy. Hey, serving the Lord is joyful. I wonder if we actually give this out to our children. Or if we communicate to our children, you better serve Jesus with your life. 
Because if you don't, he's going to blast you. I mean, really, like, man, do they see the opposite side of it? Man, it's amazing. Do you guys get the opportunity? I mean, I'm going to our kids, like, guys, because at one point it's like they're leaving people. And, you know, on a weekend as we leave, they they got to a certain age where they start seeing friends. And they're like, those are my friends. And they're saying bye to their friends. And now they're, like, really moved by this. And they're going, Dad, like, you know, we always have to say bye to our friends. Yeah, buddy, we do. But you know what's amazing? Well, by the grace of God, we'll get to see him again. And um, and we have friends all over the United States. And God has been really kind to us. And we get to serve the Lord in this ministry. And it's it's different. I mean, I you know, I realize it's 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 but we're trying to communicate, guys, listen, it's it's joyful to serve the Lord. It, we, we should be zealous this way. And number three, here's number three. Okay, number three would be this, that if we really love people and we're showing them joy and zeal, the truth is we should be sharing with them naturally. And when you think through this one, what does it say? It actually talks about this in, in, uh, in verse uh, 13. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Um, you think through this for a minute, and, and sure, this is what we do, isn't it? We seek to share. I think one of the genuine truths of anyone who's really in Christ is someone who shares a lot. Isn't it, isn't it amazing when someone shares something like that's special to them and they let you be a part of that? You're like, whoa. Um, it'd be like it'd be like being at Steve Pettit's trailer and, and I'm like, that's his chair. And you're like, no, no, Jerry, you can sit there. Oh, okay. Like, uh, it's just, but it's like genuine care and love. Oh, come over there. You know, I, I think of my friend Aaron Coffey. I think of him discipling people. And, guys, come on over. No, come over to my trailer. No, it's okay. You guys can all come in. You know, it's it's so fun. It's like to to be around these people because they're they're so sharing, so giving. No, no, you gotta shoot my you gotta shoot my bow. You know, you gotta try this thing out. And, and I'm like, man, but that's like your baby. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know, but be careful with it. But here we go. Ready? I mean, just the, just the genuineness of sharing with one another, distributing to the needs. Now, think about this. Distributing to the necessity of the saints. Are there needs in this room? Do we know what they are? Um, do we care? Because actually, in the, within the body of Christ, we try, to, we try to do this. It's like we're given to hospitality. Are you given to hospitality? Do people know you as someone who's hospitable, who's just, who's, who's, who's this way? You say, well, that's not my, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's just not my personality. Aren't you supposed to be like Jesus? Um, I was taken back on a mission trip to Peru. Um, we're in Peru and, uh, Joe Cop. Some of you guys remember Joe. Uh, we were ministering with a guy named Tim Chapman and so Tim and Cheryl and, and uh, Tim is a very good guitarist. He can play guitar real well. He used to play guitar with the Pettit team. And and, um, and so we're talking. At some point, Joe was there. He brought his mandolin and was playing his mandolin and stuff, too. And um, his his uh, future wife was with us at the time, too. It's his, it was his girlfriend, I think, soon to be fiance and stuff, too. And and while we're on that trip in Peru, uh, or maybe they were already married. Maybe they, Actually, maybe they were already married by the time it was the next year. Uh, we're on this trip in Peru. Tim makes a comment about his mandolin and, and starts to, you know, try to play it a little bit or something too. And and um, and and Joe knew that Tim could actually be able to pick up and play that. I mean, he would be able to with his skills in uh, music. And I get this uh, response back from Tim Chapman on my way home. I get I get home and he says, "I can't believe this. Can you call me?" <laughs> Joe Cop left his mandolin with a note in its case and said, hey, Tim, appreciate what you do. Love you. Uh, you can have it. I'm like, what? Then I'm like, Joe, you better get another mandolin. <laughs> He's like, I know. You got to play with us, you know. But he, they decided. And also, I think I remember as a couple, them talking about this and and and, and his, his like, I think you should do this. I really do think you should do it. I think the Lord will supply and 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 blessed, and I just think we should we should give this to him. I'm thinking, wow, sharing with people, but it's not just sharing with people. It's actually, I mean, you look all the way down in verse 15. What's verse 15 talk about? It talks about you know the idea of rejoicing with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. 
I mean, the idea is that we have such heartfelt compassion. Man, when people are are having a great thing, I'm like, whoa, it's exciting. I laughed at this. I could not believe this because my son did this. And again, I think it's might be because he's in love or something like that with Pastor Nathan's uh, daughter. And uh, But my four-year-old is so funny. He, he, Sunday, he says, Dad, you won't believe it. I'm like, what happened? And he says, she got, Katie got a balloon. Like, it's like the quiet seat prize. She won it. And I'm like, sweet. You know, like, that's great. And I'm like, but then I'm thinking, that's so funny because that's not normal. Like, I I would think normal for him would be like, (laughs) why did she get the balloon and I not get it? You know, and they fight over him or whatever. But I thought that was so genuine. It's so funny from a child going, you know, boom. You know, it's like we rejoice. Hey, you got, oh, you got a new car. That's sweet. Man, like, hey, can I see? Can I, can I sit in with you? You know what I mean? Let's see. Oh, the new house. Oh, that's awesome. Instead of going, man, I sure wish I had. Well, I haven't got a new car in a long time. This dumpy place. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice. I like it. You know what I mean? It's like we're like it's so ugh. But we should actually rejoice with those who rejoice. We should weep with those who weep, and actually even mourn with them. I think of my wife who was praying heavily for a team member of the past, a girl named Kathy, Kathy Flack, who is married to a guy named Josh Klum. So it's Kathy Klum. And, um, and Kathy's in Salt Lake, and uh, they had a little baby. Uh, but the baby was born with a lot, through a lot of complications. Uh, I think I want to say um, some of the organs were all switched around and stuff too within the body, different things too, and a lot of people praying for for them and my wife was so burdened for them. There were times we would be singing and we'd be like um, doing music practice. And my wife is just weeping and recording a song to send to her, knowing that they could lose this child. And any day they could lose it. And for a while it held on and, and there was multi-surgeries. And it was just miracle after miracle until finally that child died. And my wife just said, Jeremy, can I please, can I, can I go? And, um, and sure enough, we're like, okay, uh, let's look at tickets and see what we can do. And, and so she flew out there just to spend time, just to be there. And she just, she wept with Kathy. It's like, she's praying for her. And, you know, you sit there and go, man, for our hearts, we, when people weep and there's sorrow, we should be sorrowful. There should be something within our hearts that, that, that goes alongside of them and encourages them the same way. But and we are willing to mourn and to weep. And we rejoice when, when things are good, too. Um, we live in harmony. This is number five. Number five is this. You live in harmony with them. What does this mean? It's talking about in verse 16 that we're of the same mind toward one another. We mind not high things, but we actually are willing to condescend to men of low estate. We are not wise in our own conceits, our own eyes. When I think about this, it's like we're willing to, to go lower on purpose. And, um, and we do this because we care for one another. It's part of the, the scriptures where it talks about how we strive together for the unity of the faith. I think if we stand in together, I'm thinking of, you know, uh, I think of uh, Philippians 1.27, how it talks about how we're supposed to live worthy of the gospel. How? By, by standing side by side, battling against, against, against um, evil and evil ones. And, and I think about now we stand, we suffer together, we, we strive together, we strive to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Strive for the unity. Um, do family members argue? Yes. But you strive for the unity. Can churches argue? Yes. There are times where we go, well, I really believe, I really, oh. but in the end, okay, wait, 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 wait. In the end, we strive for the unity of spirit and the bond of peace because that pleases the Lord. And um, And we can respectfully and lovingly disagree sometimes with each other. But you think this, the idea of living in harmony with one another. I th- when I think about this, I think about people condescending to men of low estate. It's like, instead of trying to always get to like the highest spot and talk to the, you know, the most prominent people in the church, what do we do? We should, we should actually look for people that maybe you're in a, you know, maybe we're over here talking to a kid or something. When I, when I think of this, I think of, it's so funny. So Steve Pettit becomes 
uh, the president of Bob Jones University. That's like a big deal, you know. And so we're like driving on campus and, and we're laughing because Steve Pettit initially when he moved on campus, you know, normally, you know, the president's like in this house and stuff too. And, you know, he's the president, you know, salute the president or so. I don't know what you do, but, you know, he's the president of this university. But it's funny because we've known Steve forever and we laugh because we're like, Steve Pettit's house was parked out back campus behind all these other houses. He was living in his trailer for multi months, you know, when they're trying to figure out what to do and where Steve should live. And it's so funny. I'm like, that's so funny. Because Steve, and it's like, people are like, I can't believe he's living in his trailer. And they're kind of walking by the trailer always like, well, you know, like, what is that? And, and seeing the Pettit's trailer. And then we drive up and we see their big dually. I'm like, hey, I, I wonder if he's over. So I called him up and he says, hey, I'm in the, I'm in the dining com. I'm in the place to eat, eat the food there. So he's, why don't you guys come in there? So we're like, well, we're not really dressed for anything. You know, he's, oh, don't worry, come on in. So we came on in. We sat down. So we got our kids. We got everything. We got like, you know, you're running around, a little girl. And then all of this, what's so funny is that here's this guy. His name's Marshall Franklin. I didn't know who Marshall Franklin was. I talked to him for a minute. And I realized, whoa, he's like a vice president, you know? And I'm like, oh. I'm like, well, hello, Mr. Franklin. You know what I mean? I'm like changing my tone towards this guy. Whoa, he's the vice president. Talked to him for a minute. And and he he started watching and seeing how how much we had known the Pettits and, and, and loved the Pettits and stuff too. And our kids were like so ready to go. He said, hey, hey, can I take your kids for a minute? And we said, are you sure you want to? Are you crazy? And you know what he did? He took like the the three youngest. He took them to the other end of this, like this eating area. And, and okay, you're not supposed to be running around in this place, okay? And he had them doing laps, like around certain things. And he was timing them and stuff too. He's like the vice president. He's like playing with the, my kids and we're going, wow. Um, genuine love. Condescending. Um, he didn't take his position and say, man, listen, I'm the VP. Hey, so-and-so, go watch their kids. No, 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 I'll do it. I thought, man, that's really amazing. The Bible tells us not to be wise in our own conceits. It's like, to think about this, we're not proud people. We should be the most humble people. And dear God, it's okay, humble me more. I, I would struggle with this, okay? So we'd, we'd be up at Northland, and we, it's like the Pettit team is playing and doing all this stuff. And I'm like the loser Pettit team member, you know? I, I, I just, I didn't, I really couldn't play anything, you know? And I would sometimes sing with the group and stuff too, but I, he didn't bring me on for that purpose. He didn't say, Jeremy, we just love your musical talent, so come on with the team. No, he brought me on to work with teenagers and stuff too. And so then it's like, and interesting in the summer, he would say, let me introduce our team. And, and he'd go down the line, and, and it wasn't purposeful. He'd go down the line to introduce all the musicians of the team. And I'd be standing in the back going, like, I'm on the team. Um, and and he, again, just like he's just introducing the people up front, that's what's going on. And I remember thinking, man, why why does always forget me? And people in churches would say sometimes like this too. It's so great, actually. It's so great for me. It's humility. It's like, here's what the Lord was doing. People in church would say, so are you on their team? Yeah, I'm on the team. Um, so what instrument do you play then? <laughs> I don't really play the instrument. I'm like just like the teen preacher. It was so good. And then I started later because I was being smitten in my heart because I'm going, why do I have to be seen? I mean, this is like the Lord was so just digging at my own pride. Then I'm going, I don't need, and I, then you, you, you come full circle. Dear God, cleanse me and forget. I don't need to be seen. I'm here to serve. I'm not, I'm not here to be seen. And if that's okay, if no one knows, it's okay. And um, isn't this what God does with us? He, he wants us to live in that harmony and unity with humility this is the way we should act towards one another, huh? There's some, man, this is powerful. Okay, wait, 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 though. It's not done there. Let's switch. Now we'll change gear real fast because this is how you deal with people in the church. But what about how do you treat your enemies? I mean, because on the other side of this, you see this now, you have enemies. And how do you treat the people that don't treat you well? Can I just tell you something? It's really easy to love people who are very loving people. Um, and again, you come into a church, it's like the, with the love of the, I mean, we love that. We always like, man, it's awesome. You come in and it's like, Hey everyone, how are you doing? Hey, good to see you. You know, it's easy to love people who love you, but how do you do with people who don't love you or don't treat you so nice or they say they love you? Maybe. So you kind of see this shift within the, 
this whole spot. So you see in verse 17, it says this. It talks about, as we would repay no one evil for evil, verse 17. It says, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. Um, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, then give him a drink. For in, do, for in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You could say this world is full of evil and you're going to have to face enemies. How will you respond to the people that don't treat you well? In verse 17, as you look at this one, it just is telling us this. Again, as we repay no one evil for evil, what does it mean? Don't pay back, but give back. This is the opposite. Instead of paying back someone for what they've done, no, instead, we're actually giving back. We're actually in a kind way, not trying to go, I'll get you back for this. We have regard for good things in the sight of all men. It's, it's the idea of when, when others treat you miserably, you treat them memorably. It's like someone trashes you and you're kind to them. Wow. Isn't this so unlike our world? When I think about this, I think, I think about, I think about uh, Jesus. I think about Jesus on a cross and they are, I mean, can I tell you, no one's been so mean to you to, to fillet you alive. And to put spikes through your, through your, through your wrists area and your feet and, and put a crown of thorns and treat, and, and again, you've done nothing wrong. No, no one's done that to you recently. And here's Jesus in Luke 23 who says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, just forgive them. You know what our natural, the normal human response is? Man. If I could get down from this cross, that's, that's why the normal response on the cross by criminals would be they are cursing the people who are actually crucifying them. That's normal. And here's Jesus who is actually saying, God, please forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. When you think about this, what do you do when people, people treat you wrongly? Do you respond in love and humility? Are you honest? Are you genuine? When you blow it in the workplace, do you actually tell people, I blew it. I am so sorry. I was, I was angry and it was wrong of me. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? You know what we do? Sometimes we just say stuff like, you know, we like go to people and say, sorry. My kids would say this like, for what? <laughs> That's what they would say when a kid, when their other brother says to him, "Sorry, it's for what?" You know, and it's a good question because we really should be. There should be a genuine sorrow of like, okay, so here's what I've done, and I was and I, I was sorry for this, or here's where I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Or here's where I showed pride in my life. Will you will you forgive me? I mean, could you imagine if we did this at our workplaces to lost people, and people are treating us like garbage, and we're we're actually genuinely loving them back. We're praying for them. Remember, we bless those that curse us. We we actually care for those, uh, even the people that despitefully use us and abuse us. I would say not only number one again, don't pay back but give back. Number two, when we when another treats you miserably, don't treat them that way, but actually treat them memorably. Number three would be this: that you would seek peace, not pain. Again, what happens when someone hurts you? What's the normal response? Human, fleshly response. You get hurt, and what do you do? You hurt back. Well, you do that. And sometimes we, blo- sometimes in our anger, we go. And other times, um, we don't blow up. We go. We fume. And we're like, well, I'm doing good because I'm holding it in. Uh, actually, I confronted a team member one time uh, who responded in such a wrong way. Uh, towards uh, someone helping us on one of the CDs before. It was real interesting. And um, and she would, she treated this girl really, really bad. And we said to her, we said, you 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 were really angry. You stomped off. You look like a, like a little kid stomping off. Oh, man, that girl doesn't know what she's doing. She's just, she's just a pianist. She doesn't look. You know, it's like this. We're like, holy cow, we're seeing, watching this happen. 
So I confront her and I say something to her. And the response was this, very interesting. She said, oh, I wasn't mad. If I was mad, I would have thrown something. You, you would have known I was mad. I'm like, just because you didn't throw something doesn't mean you weren't mad. And everyone saw how you responded, what you said, your stomping. Everything showed just something totally different. It's interesting. We can have such anger. We can, oh, someone cut you off. Have you been cut off lately? Even today, so I'm driving today, and Isaiah's with me, and I'm, I'm trying to get over. Um, and I'm trying to get over, and as I'm getting over, there's, there's truckers. So I'm, I'm going behind a big logging truck. Here's another truck that's coming. I mean, he's like, like I'm like, I, can't, I would never be able to get over. I'm thinking, you know, I've, I've got to fit in that little spot. It's the only spot to fit. It's the only way to merge, you know what I mean? As you're thinking. And I was like trying to kind of work my way over. It's like evident, and, and it's like, and again, there's no other way. It's going to be throwing me off the cliff. It's like, you know, so it's like, so, I'm, so I, I get over, and it's like then the guy like rides on my bumper, and I, and I see the rearview mirror, and the guy goes, he's like going. And I'm like, like, where am I supposed to go? Like, do I go this way and smash into all these cars and everyone dies and you die too? Do I do I go off the cliff? I mean, you know, it's like like what were you wanting me to do as you merge? You know, you kind of think of this way. And then I told Isaiah, I said, Isaiah, it's very interesting because he was riding with me. I said because I used to take this trip between um, Greenville and Knoxville many many times um, because we were working at a church in Tennessee and living in Greenville, South Carolina. So it was like three and a half hours one way, and then we come back on the weekend, the end of the week, and we'd ride. You know, I'd run into truckers all the time. It's funny because now I'm kind of a trucker, you know what I mean? So um, we had run these truckers, and it was interesting because so many times it's like cutting people off or, you know, like we're like, what? We're in the slow lane, and they're wanting us to get out of the way so they can just keep driving in the slow You know, thinking, aren't you supposed to go around? You know, like that's like the fast lane. We're in the slow lane. You know, get off our tail. You know, like you're like, you know, and I would, I mean, there are times where I'd be, it'd be miles. I'm serious. I'd be driving miles upon miles and it'd be minutes upon minutes and my wife might be sleeping and, and I'm fuming. I am just going, I can't believe these losers. <sighs> I'm driving. And then the Lord began to work in my life to say, like, what if those people aren't saved? Which are probably not. Who knows what's going on in their lives? I mean, what if they've, what if they have a horrible, like what if what if they've gone through a horrible divorce? What if they're what if they're just their sin and they're the God? I'm so sorry. I'm a loser. This isn't what you would do. It's like God. Just, it's amazing how God works in our hearts through things like this. So when when you you should actually seek peace. Hey, sorry about that. I mean, like seriously, you, you it's like oh, I'm so sorry. And hey, I, I wish I could have done something else. Maybe it's like even when you think about driving or you think about whatever. Like you know, you got to you got the people that hate you at work. When I think about this, I, I think about number four would be this. When it comes to revenge, um, maybe it's the idea of let go and let God. <laughs> Remember, vengeance is not yours. Vengeance is his. Ultimately, they'll stand before God. The truth is, uh, there was a time before you were saved. And you tried to, you probably treated people in a certain way. And, and the truth is, is, is honestly, what do we really deserve? What do you deserve? You really deserve to be in hell right now, but you're not there. I mean, so honestly, God is very kind to us. You know, it's like everything about this, we, we get it all, and then, oh, it's mine, vengeance is mine. No, 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 vengeance is the Lord's. God, you'll repay, you'll do, you, he'll do right. He's the God of the universe. He knows how to do right. And everyone's going to stand before him, and we got to remember this. So as we go through this, it's like, you know what? It's not my opportunity to go back at these people. Actually, maybe if I showed them love. Maybe if I prayed for them, maybe God would save them and transform their life. You start thinking about how we treat people. I think about the idea of Joseph, who was such an example of this. His brothers so abuse him and want him dead, but instead they make money off him. We'll never see the kid again. That's sweet. And they sell him off. Now, you might say you had a rough home life, but I'm telling you this. You probably didn't have two brothers that actually killed a whole city you know, of, of males. That's what they did. And then not only that, they're going to kill you and put you in the pit and beat you up and stuff too, but then they sold you to, to another country. It's like selling you to Iran or 
or something, you know, and you're like, ah, you know, so here you are in this country. You'll never see your family again. That's, that's where he is. It's like, he's like, oh, I'm never going to see his family again. And then everything keeps happening back. Remember, but it comes full circle as he keeps trusting the Lord through all these trials and struggles. He gives the Lord. And then, and then it's like he sees the brothers. They come back. Remember all that story? And then what happens when he sees them? He says, hey, guys, what goes around comes around. And what comes around goes around. <laughs> Losers. Now you're going to die at my hands. And he know, actually, he had the ability to kill them if he wanted to. They even begged him at the end. Remember, they said, please, please, dad died, you know, but please don't. Dad said, don't even, please don't, please don't hurt us. And, please. and he said, no, 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 guys. What you did to me, you did mean it for evil. But God meant it for good. And when we learn to trust the Lord, the idea is, is that we learn to trust the Lord through even vengeance. And, and we're, we're going, okay, it's not my opportunity to get back at them. No, God will do this. I'm trusting the Lord. And dear God, work in their heart. It's like, then I would say number five is this, that we go beyond or go above and beyond to meet the needs of your enemy. Do we do this? This is radical love. This is not normal. This is the good Samaritan. I mean, you've got the religious guy. Whoa. You got two religious guys. You know, it's like they're avoiding. Whoa. Whoa. Man, look how beat, beat up that guy is. Don't want to defile myself. And you have a Samaritan who comes and what does he do? He gets the guy. He washes his wounds. He helps him. He takes him to a place. He uses his own money, his own vehicle, takes him to a place. And then he pays for it all. Whatever else is need, I will, I'll cover it. I mean, do we love our neighbors? Do we really go above and beyond to meet the needs of our enemies? Do you look for opportunities to, to actually love the people who treat you wrong? This is God-like kind of love. This is supernatural love. There's one more thing. Number six would be this. Don't be a victim in one sense, but be a victor. You say, what do you mean? Because when you look in verse 21, and again, he says, again, verse 20, remember, he says, if you're therefore your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, then give him a drink. And so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. There's, there's going to be a sense of, of, of probably personal guilt there as he would treat you wrong. But I would think this, you know, what's amazing how God can use this. I mean, who stood there at the stoning of Stephen? Saul, who became Paul. Think of the conviction that's, that's so put in his heart as Stephen's the same way like Jesus. He's just saying, don't lay this to their account. I mean, it's like when we, when we are God-like, when, and again, we can't do this naturally, but you look at that, then you look at verse 21, and do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's, it's like the truth is, is that we seek to overcome. You, you will not change anything by adding the same. You know how you change things? By being different. The normal thing, again, someone treats you wrong, the normal human fleshly response is, well, then I'm going to treat them wrong back or I'll avoid them. I'll stay away from them. But the godlike thing is the opposite. It's actually overcoming. And you know what? They treat us wrong. Hey, we'll have a good day. I mean, we're, we're, we're different because of this. And it's a God like, dear God, help me and help me in my spirit, my attitude, change me. I want to walk with you. God, I want to be a living sacrifice. I want my mind renewed because my mind needs to be renewed. You know, it's like all these things. It's like these gifts. I want them to be used of you. God, I just want to, I want to, I want to, I want you to work in and through me. Now, one last thing as we saw this, just kind of the culmination is Acts 2. Okay. And I'll just show you this and we'll be finished here. But in the book of Acts, watch the culmination of this. You have these people that, um, that get saved. Remember, as we talked about Pentecost, even yesterday in those gifts. But it's amazing because in Acts chapter 2, as they respond to the Lord, in verse 40, we start uh, seeing this. Acts 2, verse 40 says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Um, they needed to repent. He actually called them to repentance in verse 38. And um, for them to be baptized again would be a symbolic act that that would actually say they're following Jesus, which Jesus had died on the cross, which means they could die too. So this was everything about this was forsaking their old way of life, 
That, that, that baptism was, a, was an outward symbol of an inward reality. And um, so what happens? Verse 41, And those who gladly received his word, they were baptized. And the, that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And so you have people who believe the scriptures, they believed his message, and they said, yes, he is the Christ, and we have killed the Christ, and we're repenting, we're turning to Jesus to be rescued. We want the Messiah to rescue us. And actually, we believe this, and we'll demonstrate this through baptism. We'll get baptized publicly in front of all these people, and we don't care if we die for this, because he died for us. It's, that's the mentality there. And you're, here, here's this going on, and then they get baptized three thousand of them that's a lot of people and can i just tell you that wasn't the overwhelming majority of the crowd no that would have been a small minority of a massive crowd of people but it's amazing to think three thousand people were added to them and then verse 42 and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers what does that mean they were committed to the word in their life the fellowship of the body the commitment of the friendship and the truth there the breaking of bread the purity i would say in their own heart and their life the reality is as you think about as you're having communion on a regular basis you're examining yourself you're trying to be make sure you're right with the lord and then they were committed to prayers it's just like you could see 42 is like the spirit Spiritual growth. What an example. So they're committed to their spiritual growth. Then it says in verse 43 that fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And then it says this. And now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as everyone had need. Man, it's like, well, there's needs here. Okay, I'll sell this land and, and here you can have you can have this. I, oh, you need this. It's like they were so looking out for each other. Um, it wasn't communal living. Uh, it wasn't communism. They just cared for each other and they were willing to sell things when the person had a need to help one another. So in verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So there's just just this joyfulness and unity. Look at verse 47, praising God. What is that? That's his joy and having favor with all the people. Why is there such unity? They're all focused on the same thing. They all want to grow. They all want to walk with Jesus. So, so the Lord brings this unity of spirit there, this great joy as they have. They have favor with all the people it's like man the lord's blessing them and what happens as they're thriving as they're growing as they're showing christ to so many people it says in verse 47 and the lord added to the church daily those who were being saved i really believe this when we live out this christian life and when we are people who are using our gifts within the body because we are sold out and that overflow is the gifts. That overflow is the love because we are seeking to pursue the Lord and his love. And that love is being shed abroad in our hearts. It's, it's manifested towards how we treat one another. It's manifested towards how we treat our enemies. You know what's going on? You know what people are starting to see? This lost world and even the Christians are seeing Jesus in you and me. You, you, you can't produce that yourself. It's a dependent walk with Jesus daily. And you know what's going to happen? The natural outflow will be this. People are going to get saved. You know, I'm so excited about your new building. I'm like, to, to hear the story, I'm going, this is of God, okay? That's really cool to see how the Lord has done all this, okay? It's not about the building. Remember that, though? Remember that. Um. Because the church isn't the building. The church is actually the people. But in this, to think how there's space there going, whoa, it gives, it gives you guys freedom of ministry in a new place, that kind of almost even a new another area even too that, that you might touch and stuff too. And I'm thinking, I know what God wants to do. God wants to save people in Eugene. That is exciting. And that's the natural outflow of believers who are really walking in the power of the Spirit, in love, using their gifts because they're sold out for Jesus Christ. May God help us be that way. Let's pray tonight. Father, thank you again for just letting the word uh, speak to us. And God, for, forgive me for not, um, maybe not adequately expressing all of these truths that are there. So many different uh, challenges to us and commands 
But in all of this, I, I feel as though, Lord, that we do we do get the big picture here. And God, I think many of us tonight, we feel and sense this deficiency in love. In many ways, when it comes to real God-like kind of love, we may even tonight feel like losers. But God, as you bring the conviction on our hearts, it's not meant to discourage us. It's meant to change us. And God, I think tonight as we've heard these truths, we're all realizing how much we need you. And God, that we come to a brokenness over who we are again. Um, and we are letting you renew our minds. And we are seeking to to abhor evil and cling to good. God, change us. Lord, I think about even those in this room. I think about even some, even a conversation last night having uh, about how so often, again, we love evil. God, help us to hate it. And God, I pray you'd change us and that through this, that there would be a there would be an overflow where a lost world gets to see more of Jesus and people get saved. And God, thank you that you love to save. God, you saved your enemies. And you made us your friends. Thank you, God. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed tonight, I wonder, is God stirring your heart? Is he dealing with you when it comes to love? I wonder who tonight would just say, Jeremy, as I'm looking at all these truths of love and what I'm supposed to be doing, you just say, Jeremy, pray for me. God is convicting me. I'm just seeing a lack of these areas. And there's areas here that maybe God is actually encouraging you in to, to then go forth and do something about it. Maybe there's people that God is bringing to your mind to love. And uh, I wonder tonight who would say, Jeremy, pray for me. God is, he's, he is dealing with my heart as a believer. Uh, pray for me and pray for my love and pray that God would grow this in my heart. Jeremy, please. And you just slip your hand up and, and, um, and you can raise it even with mine. I'm, I'm raising my hand too, yeah. And then I wonder who would say even here tonight, maybe Jeremy, I'm here tonight and, and there are some people that I need to get right with. In other words, I have wronged somebody in some way or someone's maybe hurt me and I've hurt them back. And you would just say, Jeremy, pray for me tonight because honestly, there are some, there are some people that God is speaking to me about, about talking to. It could be at your workplace, could be at your home. And you just say, Jeremy, pray for me. God is dealing with me with when it comes to this love and, and honestly getting right with some people. There's some people I need to get right with. And you'd slip your hand up and I'd pray for you about that. Yeah. So what are you going to do? It's God prompting you. You need to make a beeline for that person. Or make a phone call, do whatever it takes to, to get to that person. And just say, hey, listen, here's what God's doing in my heart. And I want to be honest and genuine. And uh, here's what I've done. Will you forgive me? And um, one last question. Is there anyone here tonight who would say, Jeremy, I don't, I, I'm not a believer. That kind of love that you're talking about, that shed abroad in our hearts as, as God saves us. I, I don't think I have that kind of love in me at all. I Honestly, I've not been born again. I need Jesus to save me. And I just want you to pray for me about that tonight. And you'd slip your hand up, and I'd know to pray for you about that. Jeremy, pray for me. I'm not saved yet, but I need to be. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. Okay? Lord Jesus, as we have heard these truths, I pray that we would humble ourselves before you. And that, God, you would stir us to greater obedience and love and joy. God, thank you that we can have great joy in getting things right with you. Bless us now as we do business with you. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, I'd just like to invite you to stand to your feet as God has dealt with you. And and as we do that tonight, my wife's going to play through a simple hymn of invitation. If God's dealt with you and you need to respond, can I invite you to? Um, I'm going to give it over to Pastor uh, so he can kind of close us off tonight, but 
Maybe you feel as though you can't respond forward, but honestly, you may just need to respond where you are, just sit back in your seat where God is dealing with you. But if God's speaking to you, I invite you to come forward. If you want to do that and get on your knees before the Lord and take it before the Lord, uh, I think that is appropriate as well. If God's speaking to you, that you can do that, then make your way back to your seat as you finish. But as God has dealt with us, let's do business with him tonight, okay? Why don't we take our songbooks and turn to 431 tonight? We'll join in on this song. I need the Lord in my walk with Him. Let's sing it together. I need Thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like Thine. Can peace afford? I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Truly, we need the Lord to help us as we walk in that way. Amen to that. It's not a natural way to walk, but what a freedom it is to know that God loves you and that you can love others and not get wrapped up in the stuff that can go on in life. Thank the Lord for that. There's such a joy in loving people and just being real with Him. Well, God bless you. Tomorrow night, I hope you will invite folks to come. If there's other decisions to be made, please uh, visit with us before you leave tonight. Yes, Miss Bobby.